Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic. Found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Sarah Cooper could have enjoyed a lucrative career in tech, only she didn't enjoy Google as much as she did making jokes about it. She began performing stand-up in 2010, and in 2013 saw a blog post she wrote about how to look smart in meetings go viral, and it landed her a three-book deal. She's moved from New York City to Silicon Valley and back again, and her third book, How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings, is out now. So let's get to it! Sarah Cooper, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. How does it how does it feel to have three books? Like, I don't even have one book out yet, and it's you have three. It's a relief, to be honest with you. I, I just wanted to sell one book, and I got this literary agent who was just like insanely good at her job, mm-hmm. and she's just like. I sold three books when you only wanted to do one. Isn't that amazing? And I was like, yes, but now I have to write three <laughs> books. So, um, but I'm glad she did that in the end mm-hmm. because I got to write this book and I'm very happy with this book. And so, yeah, it worked out. And it's very timely too. Like, it's a very timely book. Yes. How, to, how, to, uh, how to work around men's feelings. That's not the actual title. I'm paraphrasing. It's yeah. You guys look it up. It's how to work around men's feelings. (laughs) (laughs) How to be successful without hurting men's feelings. Yeah, that's it. I guess that was one way is that you didn't hurt my feelings. I I just repeated what you said. I Mm -hmm. I made you feel heard. And I think that's the main part of it. Yeah. That's what that's what the movement is all about. That's the movement is is making men feel (laughs) making men feel like they're heard, that they're important, (laughs) that what they're saying matters. Mm. Um, It's really key to my success as a woman in the business world. <laughs> uh, men are more of a herd than, of a herd. than being heard. <laughs> Have you seen that giant cow, by the way? My goodness. I don't know exactly what happened. I mean, is, it, is that like hormones? I, I feel like that's a chemical situation. It's not healthy. It doesn't look healthy. I've seen the right? pi- as as uh, as as our uh, fearless leader would say. I've seen the picture of the cow, but I don't believe it. <laughs> In my gut, my yes. high level intelligence tells me that that's not a real cow. I mean, people like me that are super mm-hmm. intelligent mm-hmm. don't really believe the things that they see. Right. When you're intelligent, you just don't believe things. Sometimes. Science is not real. Yeah, exactly. What's real is you. <laughs> My, what do you say? My gut is smarter than most people's brains, or something yes. like that. <laughs> Have you seen his gut? Doesn't look. I smart. don't want to see his gut. McDonald's and KFC. Well, uh, let's enough talk about him, Sarah Cooper. You started in tech, yeah. Which so that was your first choice, or are you? Wanted to be a humor writer all along. Love how you say that was your first choice. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, really? <laughs> um, no, it was a fallback career, actually. Really? Yeah, what was Google the... was a fallback. Yeah. What was what was plan A? Plan A was to be an actress okay. and an entertainer okay. and then a stand-up comedian. Once I found stand-up comedy and writing for myself, I really enjoyed it. But then in New York... So I was yeah. right. Wait, about what? <laughs> the tech was not really. It wasn't. It wasn't, but I was really good at it. I was really good at it because I was able to perform. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Um, no, I tried stand up and I moved to New York. And I don't know if you've done stand up here. Mm-hmm. Have you? 
Don't stand it's, up. It was a long time ago. I mean, a lot of times when I was here, young and naive and yeah, full of. You're ideas. paying for stage time essentially because yes. you're bringing people to the show mm-hmm. called Bringer Shows, and so like um, I wasn't making any money, and it's really expensive here. So I was like twenty thousand dollars in debt, and I just needed a job. And the job turned wait, out to be Google. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wait. Exactly. No, exactly. I'm like a an accidental overachiever. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> wait, so the order of things mm-hmm. is show business, then tech, then show business. Um, show business, if, then if, tech, if then show sh- business. Yeah, that's a, okay. Actually, it was show business, tech. Well, show business. Where are you from? Tech, then show business. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Where where did you, where were you reared? Where was I reared? I was born in Jamaica. <laughs> okay. But I moved. The island, not the, the part exactly. of Queens. Yes, the island. Um, and I moved here when I was three years old. My okay. whole family is from Jamaica and we moved to Rockville, Maryland. Mm-hmm. So I grew up uh, just like 45 minutes outside D.C. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how How is the process of becoming a citizen for you? You know, it didn't. It didn't hit me. I mean, my parents, my father was sponsored by my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So my grandmother came here. She worked as a maid. And then she brought my dad and she brought like my uncle. She was really like the person that is the reason why we're all here. And she actually just died a year ago. Um, But she was like the matriarch. And um, she sponsored my dad and my mom and they became citizens. And because I was under a certain age, I became a citizen as part of their citizenship. So pre-dreamer. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Of- well, dreamers are people that were born here, but their parents are illegal. My parents were never illegal because they were sponsored by my, but because my you were grandmother, old? and I and I was you know ten or so when they and that was young s- enough to be included. You have to be under twelve, I think it is. Okay, yeah. And what year was that? Pray tell. Um, I don't remember. I think it was like you don't 95, when you were 10? 97, <laughs> 93, Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Okay, nineties. Yeah, nineties. Yeah, I know. I- <laughs> I know it's rude to ask a woman her age, even now. But um, okay, so so you're in Maryland, and were you immediately like smitten with like the whole American dream and like, oh, I'm going to come here and I'm going to be like a Disney princess? One hundred percent. I like immediately assimilated. Like I was correcting my parents' accent when I was like five. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You're not saying this word correctly." I was I was all in on America and like being as American as possible. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed Jamaica. I didn't even at know all. I was quote unquote black for a long time. <laughs> like I really just didn't have a because when you're an immigrant and you come mm-hmm. here and you're black, you don't have a concept of it the way that African Americans who've been here for generations do. Okay. Um and so my parents even didn't really like consider themselves African American because they're really Jamaican American. My whole family is from this island. Right. Um, no African. my dad is, my grandmother's Chinese. Like my grandmother, my other side is German. Like there's all these like different ethnicities yeah. in there. And then we come here and you're just, you're black. And it's so, I think that my parents were like, well, we're not, we're black, but we're not. And I put this all in my stand up because they just didn't realize that they were black. And so I didn't realize I was, I was like, I, I could, you know, I could be like a little blonde girl. You know, I think <laughs> I had a, a major identity crisis. Yeah. Did you ever try going blonde? I have a wig. Oh, okay. That's probably <laughs> that's probably more efficient. I've been told many times that bleaching your hair and dyeing it blonde is not very smart. So no. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. No matter what kind of hair texture you have, yeah. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, okay. So you grew up in Maryland and then 
Did you go to school for acting? Well, I got a theater scholarship to Maryland, and I was going to be a theater major, mm-hmm. um, but that was not encouraged by, by my parents. Okay. They were like, you got to be business, you got to be law, or you got to be medicine. You know, like immigrants, that's basically right. their idea of American So success. when you got a job at Google, they must have been over the moon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then when I said I was quitting, they were like, what are you doing? Like, So let's talk crazy. about both Let's talk about both parts of that. Let's just yeah. skip to that, yeah. that process. So you come here to New York. You're, you're trying to do theater slash comedy. You're going broke. How did you how did you land a job at Google? So a colleague who went to school with me, Mm because I went to grad school at Georgia Tech for digital design, and she was working at Google, and she said, hey, we have a position open if you'd you'd be interested. And I was like looking at my credit card bill, and I was like, yeah, I should probably – if I want to stay in New York, I I need a job because I'm not supporting myself. So um, I decided to just apply. What department? Um, So this is for Google Docs. Okay. So I was a designer on Google Docs when I first started. And then by the end, I was the design lead for Google Docs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. What kind of what kind of money? <laughs> what kind of money? <laughs> what kind of money? <laughs> <laughs> I was I so making rare. easily six figures. And wow. Yeah. No. Yeah. I just I wasn't making any money at all as a stand-up comedian. And so, like, when they hired me at Google, they were like, "Well, how much are you making now, so that we yeah, can did, know?" What did you say? I said I was making one hundred and forty thousand. <laughs> And they're like, okay, I guess we can match that. I'm like, great. (laughs) But it was like I was giving up my dream. So it was kind of like a bittersweet thing. I was like, oh, great. I can stay in New York. I can make money, but I'm giving up. What kind of hours is that? I mean, it's so... Working on Google Docs. It's... it's, Everyone there is so competitive and so, like, self-starter-ish that, like, you just work as much as you think you need to to, like, keep... A, you know, ahead of mm-hmm. everyone that you need to keep ahead of. And so, is there is there pressure to stay in the office? Lots of pressure to stay in the office. You know, lots of people who would sleep there overnight and nap pods and food. Obviously, like you right. know, so even like though it's they, not even though it's not the headquarters campus in California, it's the second I'm biggest sure campus. And so, yeah, I mean, and that's what they do. They like give you food so and Chelsea, they give right? you yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea yeah, yeah. Market, and yeah, so. They make they make it easy for you to spend as much time there as possible. It's kind of like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> how how did you find time to do stuff on the side? Because that's what you were doing. That's what you started doing, right? Yeah. With the Cooper Review. And- yeah, I um I kept doing stand up while I was at Google, and mm-hmm. I started like I could get my coworkers to come see my shows because they had money to pay the two drink minimum and stuff like that. Was comics still open? Comics with an X. I don't know. They're on 14th Street? I've never been there. I guess not. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. closed by then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hashtag RIP. Good comes. spot I heard. Yeah. Actually never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're working long hours. Yeah. I mean, sometimes long Google hours, hours then, to get stuff done, and then sometimes I would come in at noon. Right. You know? and then you're, but then you're also trying to like steal away at night to go... To yeah. bring your shows. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually ended up getting a um, – I was working the door at Broadway Comedy Club in order for stage time. So I was like on the street like trying to get people in the door and selling tickets and right. doing all that stuff to get stage time. Now, lots of comedians do that. It's even depicted in uh, Pete Holmes' yeah. show Crashing. Mm-hmm. But all of those people as depicted in that are – broke or starving artists you're making six figures at google and and barking yeah fucked up right did 
do the other people know that? <laughs> um, I feel like maybe they didn't really know that because I didn't really talk about Google that much. Yeah. I mean, they th- they people. Right, it's a weird. Uh, yeah, it's a weird dynamic. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Were there um, times where you thought, well, "Why am I doing this?" Um, not really. Just because I had all these like ideas, and mm-hmm. I just really felt felt like I needed, I wanted to to do it. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like a no brainer for me to like. That's how I would spend my time is to keep doing stand up and try to get better at it. Okay. How long were you doing that, and also doing the blog before the post about? Uh, being smart at meetings. So I wrote 10 tricks to appear smart in meetings in July of 2014, I believe. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't have the blog at that point. But after like millions of people were like viewing it and sharing it, I was like, oh, I should probably Wait, start so a blog. Wait, where did you post it? Medium.com. Okay. Yeah. And so um, like a month later or so, I started the CooperReview.com. How many other things did you posted on Medium before that? One. I think this was like my second or third post. I really... Just and but to be fair, like this is a post I had started seven years prior to that. Right. Like these were notes that I was taking in meetings of things that people were doing, and so it it's like a, a sort of overnight success, but yeah. it also like I'd been thinking about this for a long time. It was just the first time I'd actually put it out there. Sure, no, it's like any a musician their first album they've been working. Yeah, on the like songs I'm the Rolling Stones. Years. You know, I'm Queen. Exactly. Like you're the Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to call myself. Yeah. Of doodles and <laughs> of corporate humor. <laughs> Take that, Dilbert. Yeah. You're no Scott Adams. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah. Um, Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, so you, it's your second or third post. You posted on Medium. How long did it take you to realize that something was happening? Immediately. Like I really did didn't you... I really didn't think anything of it when I posted. I was like, this is maybe funny. I was scared because I thought my coworkers would see it and they mm-hmm. would, you know, be like pissed off that I was like writing down their little tricks or whatever. Right. Um, but you didn't mention Google in it. I didn't mention Google in it, but I was a Google employee and if you, you put two and two together, mm-hmm. you know. Um if but people Googled you people, after reading it. <laughs> if people used the very thing that I yeah, was working at, yeah. Um but like within a day, it had like a few hundred thousand views. It was wow. it took off, and within a week, it had like a million views. It was just like amazing. Medium sent were me a tr- T-shirt. I was just gonna say, were you tracking that, or was Medium telling Medium, you, "Hey, you've got a hit"? Yeah, Medium had stats, and they were like, mm-hmm. "This is crazy." It's like was the most popular post of that year. You know, it was just like huge. Um, and that was kind of like looking back, I'm like, oh, that was the first time I had taken like comedy and put it with the corporate stuff that I knew like really well and like found this whole new audience of people that really enjoyed it. And how quickly did a lit agent reach out? So I left Google in like November of that year. So six months later, I decided to just try this, you know. What happened in November to make you say that? Um, Had you saved up enough money or... Were you confident in your abilities? What was so happening? I was getting a lot of inquiries. I was getting like uh, like radio gigs and like TV stuff and all this stuff. And like I felt like I was living a double life where like I was managing this team and I was supposed to be like, yay, Google Docs. Mm-hmm. But then on the side, I was like really excited about what I was doing there. And so I just felt like I was living this double life and like I couldn't keep it up because I really wasn't that passionate about what I was doing at work, especially compared to what I was doing outside of work. And so I just came to a point where I was just like, you know, I, I need to give this a full I mean, I always try. pick Google Docs over PDF when I'm... I love Google Docs. When I'm, yeah. <laughs> when I'm trying to download or read something, yeah. an attachment. But, yeah. It's but great. I can see why 
No, I mean, it's great. As a user, as a writer, it's amazing. But when you're designing the actual button that's like, okay, design a button, Mm -hmm. it's, you know. Yeah. Um, And so I I told my my manager, I was Mm -hmm. like, I'd like to, you know, leave. I think I want to pursue writing. And, you know, he just made me feel like if it didn't work out, I could always go back. And so that just made me feel like, you know what, it's actually not that much of a risk. Right. I really thought like... If you could always come back. Yeah. If you could always go back. Yeah. So I but left. Then, but then what did the family? <clears throat> um, uh, my family, again, were like, what are you doing? They they really didn't understand it because I really mm-hmm. was happy there. Like, I really liked the people there. I loved the, everything about working there except the actual work, <laughs> except the actual thing that I had to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, once I told them that I could always go back and it was just not as much of a risk, they, they kind of came around eventually. Okay. Yeah. Now, having worked in tech, did you feel you had a, a better handle on then how to how to leverage this newfound fame that you had? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that um, I there are people that are really good at the social media. Right. I even call it the social media. Like you, that's how you know that I'm not that good at it because I call it the social media. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm not as good at it as a lot of people, but um I did realize that I I was reaching a lot more people online than I was at Broadway Comedy Club. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I did realize that there was a lot of potential there. Um that I didn't realize before. Like I always thought you had to, you know, to get a literary agent, I thought, well, I have to put together a proposal, I have to send out all these cold emails, I have to find somebody. They found me. You know, they found me through my viral article eventually somebody was writing to me asking me if I wanted to write a book. It wasn't me writing to them. So, yeah, it's powerful. Have you um have you fully like leaned into the this niche that you discovered about corporate t- in tech? Yeah. Satire? I mean, I really at first I was like I can do I want to talk about so many different things, but you know, when you see how many comedians there are out there and so mm-hmm. many people, you know, doing really awesome, like really funny things, it's hard to separate yourself. And so now I feel like, well, maybe I should lean into it. You know, maybe I should be like, that's my thing is like workplace humor. Like, um, I do talk about some other things too, but if I'm known as that to get in there and like really separate myself, then I I think I'm okay with that. Right. To go like Silicon Valley is doing well, but that's still all dudes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) How about this, uh, non-color None. This colorless female perspective, right? Because you don't see color, right? Well, yeah, I, yeah. I only see yellow. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I purposely wore blue too. Um, well, so I guess that that leads us naturally back to the new book. Uh, was that when you signed a three book deal? I know you joked about only being prepared to do the one. Yeah. So for this third book, did did you go, okay, well, this is the time where people are, everybody's talking about Me Too, everybody's talking about how best to respond to the craziness in the world? No. I, <laughs> not at all. I, this book uh, was kind of out of a, another viral post that I wrote called Nine Non-Threatening Leadership Strategies for Women, okay. which is all about how women sort of 
uh, tailor how they say things to seem more approachable and likable and not be labeled as aggressive or mm-hmm. abrasive. And I wrote that in July of 2016. Okay. And so that was kind of before, before everything, the, blew, everything up. blew up. And yeah. so um, it went viral and I thought, maybe this is the subject of my next book, but I didn't actually know if it could be a book. And I also, there's a lot of people that got a little offended over it because they thought they've been actually given this advice. Women have actually been given the advice to add more smiley faces to their emails and right. to be more suggestive instead of telling people what to do and all of these things. Women have been been told this, but not as satire. Right. <laughs> and and so, no, but, but even that very satirical post, the, the last tip is to wear a mustache in a meeting so that you'll be taken more seriously. Like, mm-hmm. so that's, it's clearly not real advice. But I've gotten several women who've said, my boss sent this to me as real advice, which is terrifying. Yeah. But like insane. And like, you know, I mean, all satire is a little bit truth, but it was more truth than I even realized. He didn't put smiley faces or JK. No, it was like, you know what? Maybe this advice would help you. Um, Yeah. Um, So I didn't think I could write a whole book about this. But then I, you know, started to think about all of these different like rules that are placed on women and like, you know, smile, but not too much. And, you know, what you wear is really scrutinized and how you, you know, your personality is scrutinized much more than men. Like men, a lot of men that I worked with, like they had like a really passionate direct way of speaking and that was okay. But women who have that same passion and directness, all of a sudden their tone is seen as something that needs to be dissected instead of what they're saying, you know? Um, Yeah, I've I've seen it. Yeah, and that that happens. And so I just felt like after a while, I was like, you know what? Enough people were talking about it and asking me about it that I was like, well, this should be actually the subject of the book. So when you made it the subject of the book, did you have to work extra – I mean, I guess you did have to work extra hard to make sure that people knew that it was satire. And they still don't. And a lot of women are immediately offended by the name of the book, which I thought that men were going to be offended. Like I, my, when I was like, oh my God, I, I don't know if I can name the book this because I feel like men are going to be like, oh, you know, like mm-hmm. upset about it. And I have had some men be upset, but I've had more women be upset because they think this is a real book. What does that say about us? I know, but it's the same thing with 10 Tricks to Appear Smart Meetings. Like I see what search terms people use to get to my site and people mm-hmm. are searching, how do I look smart in a meeting? Like pe- this is a real thing that people yeah. want to do, and they're getting to my very satirical, not serious. Please don't ever do this advice. And that's the same thing as this book. This book is all the things that I used to do that I hated that I did. Like I hated talking like this. You know, man, I do feel. I said I was going to stop talking about that guy, but I feel like this is a symptom of Trump. Like mm-hmm. it's like people like things that were thought to be this is real and this is ridiculous. It's all kind of mushed together now. Yes, that's very true. And that's why I think like something like the Colbert Report, like mm-hmm. I that was my favorite show. I don't it wouldn't work today because it's too true at this point. Like that guy is Tucker Carlson. Like that yeah. guy is not a joke anymore. That's right. reality. Um so for your for your stage persona then, that's I would guess that's easier for you because then there's no mistaking what's going on. Yes. 
because there's context. Uh Online, there's no context, especially like on LinkedIn. Like people take everything so seriously on LinkedIn. They really think this is real advice um, a lot more. But if you're on a stage and it's it's like nighttime and (laughs) And people are- It says comedy club. It says comedy club (laughs) and people are drinking, then it's a lot easier. Does that does that make it um, your decision of like what you where you want your career to go next? Does that make it more complicated or easier for you to decide where you want to go from here? Um, I think it makes it a little bit. Well, it, t- it makes satire harder, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's an opportunity for just to be really honest, and and I think that that's what people want more now from comedy is just honesty. Um, even more than before. Um, so I, you know, uh, that's kind of where I see like st- my standup going is that I'm becoming more myself on stage and I'm being more honest and telling my story more than like my books are really kind of veiled in this like fake advice thing. And so like I am kind of using humor as a bit of a shield to say something important, whereas on stage I can actually just say those things. Right. So I, yeah, I like that about it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I, I feel like you've opened up my eyes a little bit more. Oh. And um, at least reminded me that, that some people don't get satire. Yeah, no, still, <laughs> it's very true. But I hope any of you listening know that if you're buying this book, uh, <laughs> buy it as a gag gift. Don't buy it as a real gift yes. this Christmas holiday. Or any whatever time of year you're buying Whatever these time books. of year, yes. <laughs> Buy them at knowing that they're they're jokes, people. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. For more interviews, reviews, and comedy news, become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.